0: s samuel you got it so we've been studying through first samuel and from at least the feedback that i've heard i know number one i've enjoyed um just talking about it living it having it affect my life i've enjoyed that because it's been a positive effect it's been a good effect it's been a transforming effect and from the feedback that i've heard from a lot of you it's like helped a lot as well we left off in First Samuel with a guy, King Saul, and he was having a really bad day, uh, not making a good choice. And how many people know when you're a leader, a significant leader and influencer, uh, head uh, of a company, if you are head of a family, if you are head of anything where you have influence and significant influence and authority and you have a bad day and make bad decisions, that trickles down and just affects a lot. And so sometimes we're at the top when we get to make this decision or a lot of times we just are affected by it and we kind of feel like our hands are tied. Nonetheless, wherever we fall on the spectrum, King Saul had a bad day, made a bad choice and it really affected his entire family. In fact, it infected, it did infect. It infected and affected the rest of the nation and uh, part of Saul's destiny even as a person. Kind of crazy. Part of the reason why he made the mistake he made was because he was Impatient. Everybody say impatient. Yeah, last time we talked about First Samuel, we talked about this ability to wait well. Everybody say wait well. Yeah, we, we can all wait for things. And some of us, right, we can wait for things, or we have waited for things, or maybe we still do wait for things, and we chew our nails, and we bite our fingers, and we get an ulcer, and we smoke a couple hundred cigarettes, and then we drink a lot, and then we, like, Go to other things. Like, that's the way we wait until something, we get an outcome, and it's like, Ugh, yeah, fine, I got now. At least I know now what direction I'm going. Some people know how to wait that way. And how many people know that you weren't created nor designed to wait that way all the time? Okay, at least three, so that's good. We're making progress. But I promise you that that's not the way we're designed to wait. Uh, it gets us into a lot of trouble, and it's just not healthy. The other way to wait is to wait well. Believe it or not, um, and, 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 and trust me, this is like a this is a super. I would say supernatural. Yes. You know, everybody's always looking for, it, and we should be looking for it, God to make uh, miraculous moves, to uh, do healings, to touch people, to have something happen in the moment, and things do happen, and they do, and we should go after them. At the same time, God also does some things that are supernaturally just natural, and being able to wait well is one of those things. You don't typically hear a lot of testimonies about somebody sharing about how they have now just uh, been able to wait well about things in their life and not freak out and become anxious and lose it in the process. Not a lot of people share about that. And I think more people should because that's a significant part of life. That's typically where a lot of the inner turmoil goes on. That's where a lot of the battles happen. It's just like with ourselves and the situation. It's just like, ah, I just feel all this angst and turmoil on the inside. And when God if we allow him to come in, and we allow this spirit to kind of like move our mind, and move our focus, and take our thoughts, it, it changes the posture of our hearts, and it starts to like breathe peace and life, and a sense of calmness to a situation within us. Even though it still might be chaotic and crazy and nuts on the outside. It's interesting to me that Jesus can sleep on a boat with a sea going crazy and just all over the place. Isn't that interesting too? He's sleeping in the boat and everybody else is freaking out. And it's not like they're freaking out for bad reasons. Number one, they're fishermen. They're always on the water. They're always in boats. That's what they do. It's not like something, they're used to a little storm here and there. It's not like when it's snowing in California and they freak out with Four Flakes. It's like they knew. But they were freaking out. So it must have been pretty bad. Jesus, he's just sound asleep. And, and it's kind of a little bit of a picture and illustration about how there's this ability for us to wait well in the meantime. For even though we might not know how something's going to happen, we don't know the end result yet, but we could still sometimes have a smile, still have a mindset of, okay, God, like, you must be at work. I know you're doing something. I can trust for whatever you're bringing because you are good and you are faithful. I sang about it on Sunday. So if I got to... I know, right? And so we can put our mind there, and then what God will te- typically do is, he'll bring some calmness to us, and then when he starts to, he starts to like, transform the way we're thinking and looking at the situation, to not only our thing getting fixed, but usually what he does a lot of times is he uses us to build and to invest and encourage other people around us. Which is pretty amazing. So there's this ability to wait well. And so when we were talking about this whole idea and this whole concept, we had a phrase that we talked about. Um, and the phrase was uh, this idea of experiencing the fullness. Everybody say fullness. The fullness of God's miraculous faithfulness and his promised provision. I don't know about you, but that's definitely what... If I'm in relationship with God, right? And I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm his son. You're his daughter, son, Whatever. I want to experience all of who he is. I want just about all of my life to go on his terms so I can really see what he is capable of, what he's really like, and I don't want to live my life based on religious jargon or cliches that I've heard along the way. There's no substance, no sustenance to it. It won't build me up, and it's going to leave me frustrated, stale, and kind of clueless. So I want to very much, and I think that for most people that want to follow who God is, and they want to know, they want to experience his faithfulness. Like, so he parted the Red Sea, which we talked about, and he provided for them. Um, you know, he provided for Jesus. He, he fed Elijah with like birds and a spring. Like, he did these things. Okay, Lord, so I want, in my life, it's, it's 2017. You still do this now? You said that you do. So I, I want to experience that. And he's like, a loving father? Okay. Like, I'm not going to say, Jaron or Judson asked me to provide for them in ways. And they they need things. They want things. My heart is, man, I want to bless your socks off. I mean, I'm not going to give you a quad tomorrow. But if it's appropriate for the time and season in their life, I want to do it. Amen? If it's appropriate for the time and the season in your life, I want to do it. Because the truth of the matter is... um, as, as well as we think we know ourselves, not all of us we really know the best thing that we really need for ourselves. Most people are pretty clueless on that, including myself, because I don't know the whole story of my life. I, 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 I know things I'm prone to do, but I don't know, typically, most of the time, what is best for Jared. What's the best thing right now? Because honestly, I'll take the path of least resistance. Minimal amount of stress, minimal amount of discomfort, Minimal amount of squirming. I like that. Yeah, sounds good. And God's like, well, I don't know. There's some value in that squirming and in that struggling. And to where you come to the end of yourself, and actually you might even feel completely broken. And there's like that thing, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Really? He absolutely will. Because the whole idea being is he wants to carry it. So things will happen and they will come into our lives whether we did it to ourselves which we do that or it just came in we couldn't control it. Things are going to come in things are going to happen and we're not supposed to have all of the answers and have all of the resources and everything needed to just win and be on top all of the time. Otherwise we're going to go around just celebrating amazing people and the church is supposed to be celebrating an amazing God. So with all of that, we got to where we are at this series for like three weeks probably. This week, um, we're going to take a little bit a little bit of a break next week. E is going to share a little bit next week. So don't miss that next week. And then after that, um, we got a couple more weeks of this series called The Source. Uh, Steve, you want to throw it up there? Sure. That would be great. Sure. We've got the source, all right? And so the idea of the source is, I just wanted to take just a few weeks of talking about that idea of the source because if we're going to experience like God's miraculous faithfulness, his promised provision, uh, we really only get there by living from the right source, from the right place. And when I use that term, the source, I mean uh, living from a place of that it predominantly controls what we think, why we do what we do, the motivation behind it, um, it involves also including the fears and fail- failures that are there. Uh, it really just controls the center of what we're, what we're going to do. So like it'll affect if I call a person back or not. It'll affect like the tone that I use towards somebody else. It'll affect the way I pay somebody back or not. It'll affect the type of friends and the circles I put myself around in. Right, it affects all of that, the source. So that's why we're going to talk about this series for a few weeks and um, hopefully, it'll help make all of us, myself included, it'll make all of us be able to wait well, be more patient, be more trusting in the God who is faithful and who does what he says he's going to do. righty. So, um, when we did an overview on this, we talked about really looking at all of the, th- the things we're going to hit in these three parts, which was today, we're going to talk about stewardship. We'll talk about just money and finances, which we don't do a lot in our church, but uh, we'll do it in a couple weeks. And then after that, we're going to talk about this idea of abundance, prosperity, and then poverty. Because these are all significant words, but what do they mean and how does that work? So those three things we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. Stewardship, money and finances, uh, abundance, poverty, prosperity. Where does that all fit? We did our overview already. Today we pick up in stewardship. And the main takeaway from the overview was God needs to do a work in us before he's going to do a significant work Through us. We all, I mean, you got it. No problem. In order for God to do a significant work through us, he's got to do it in us. So God's got to do work in Jared before he uses Jared in any kind of like significant way. Because otherwise I'm going to be immature. I'm going to bail when things get tough. I'm going to lack the character needed to have the integrity that I need to carry out what needs to be done because it's not about Jared. And so when it starts to affect me in ways to where Jared feels like it's being, uh, he's being imposed on, to where he feel like his self-security is being threatened, to where his self-esteem is like on the line, if all those things are important to me, I'm not going to be super useful. You hear what I'm saying? So, living from the source helps me to better realize that. So I could preach that, my, that to myself every day, but unless like God himself, through his Holy Spirit, actually communicates that to me, it, it won't settle. Like God himself, through his Spirit, he's got to communicate that to me. I can listen to all the pastors and worship leaders, whoever I want, significant people in the faith. Until God speaks something to my heart, it, it's a done deal then. Then I don't care what anybody says to me about anything. It's like, well, God already made it super clear. That's what I need to do. That's what's on. So, We're going to talk about stewardship uh, today and really just two takeaways about stewardship. Alrighty, so Luke 16, that's where we're at. So we're going to uh, read this and I want to take away a couple of things here. Um, So let's read the passage. I want to highlight a couple of things. So Luke 16, it says, Jesus, so there's Jesus talking, told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. None of us know anything about wasting, right? That's what I thought. We're all super efficient, green friendly with everything. Never throw stuff out we shouldn't. Good job, guys. Verse 2. So he called him in and he asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. So bad manager, he's doing the wrong thing. Um, and uh, whether you've been a manager or have not been or have experienced bad managing, they, when they don't do what they're supposed to be doing and they're trying to make it look like they have, right, it's just a bad situation. And a good boss will hold them accountable to that, right? Verse three. The manager said to himself, <laughs> "What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg." I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 400. All right, so he just cuts it in half. Verse 7 Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? 1,000 bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it $800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And we'll stop there. I picked this passage because this is one that always gets a a lot of scrutiny. Because when you read it, it's like, wait, so is Jesus commending Uh, manipulation, and uh, robbery, and things that aren't right. Because obviously, there is this manager who is in charge of accounts, and he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, and the boss called him in and said, hey, you ain't doing it, like, you're going. And the guy figured it out. He's like, oof, i got to make moves. And so his move was to, hey, find everybody that owes this guy, go see him one-on-one individually, cut down their debt significantly, he's making best friends, so when this guy kicks him out, at least he's got somebody to work with. And it says that Jesus commends. The shrewd, everybody say shrewd. shrewd. Shrewd manager for that. It's all very interesting, right? What's he doing here? What's he doing? Um, I want to break down the passage first before we get to that part. All righty? So let's do this. First part is I want to make sure before we start with answering that one question. Number one is, whether you know it or not, um, every Christ follower, even non-Christ followers, they have a certain degree of this. But I'll say it this way. Most people on the planet that are of age, (coughs) excuse me, and physically capable, they're managers and stewards of something to some degree. Just because we're part of the human race, like, managers and stewards of things. This is kind of interesting to me. So, like, we're given this planet, right? Like, we got to, like, manage that, be good stewards of this, like, amazing planet we have, right? So we're given that, right? We have people in our lives that love us, that need us, that depend on us. Um, Manager, steward of that, right? We might have jobs, To where we might be in a place of leadership. Or we might not be. Uh, But we all to some degree. Might have grandkids, right? right? To whatever degree it might be, we're going to have some sort of management involved there. And it's very interesting that when we become Christian, we give our life over to God. And we say, Father, I believe in you. I receive what Jesus did. He paid a debt that I could never pay. And so now, Lord, I give my life in thanksgiving to you. And I know that you're going to meet every need. Give me peace. Be with me every step of the way. So when that happens, life entirely changes in so many ways. One of the ways it also changes is that God still, even though the sin issue is dealt with, there's this issue of assignment. Everybody say assignment. Yeah, so we all have our own individual assignments, and we're managers of, and we're also accountable for. Let's say accountable. Yeah, nobody likes that word, but but that's true. Let me read you um, real quick what I'm talking about and why I'm saying it this way. First Corinthians seven seventeen uh, says this: says Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life. That the Lord assigned to him or her, and to which God has called him or her. Right? Focusing on assignment. God has assigned us to certain places around certain people in life. We may or may not like it. And some of it is due to our choices. Of just We just made choices in life. So we're just around certain people, certain jobs, certain relationships. And then there's also the factor of God just allowing some certain things to happen. So we just are where we are, and we have assignments. And God goes so far to say, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he says, do you not know that your body, in this case, talking about our bodies, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. So like, when Jesus died on the cross and he died for everybody that would receive him, he didn't just die for nothing right he died out of in other words people say heaven went bankrupt in order for us to be in relationship with God that's a pretty heavy price and I'll tell you what if if anybody you know wanted anything from your family from my family and it cost you your kids everybody knows that's a huge price So then now, because of that price and what happened, right, there's like this accountability aspect to where we're managers and we had to be good stewards with what we have. So the first part to this entire thing is recognizing and understanding. It's like strange terminology that's not really used outside of the church. This idea that we have an assignment. You have an assignment, Michael has an assignment, Tabitha has an assignment, Levon's got assignments. Lori, Jared, E, we have assignments right now in life. And what I mean is, there's not just like this one overarching, just this one thing that... Our life goes through different seasons of different assignments where the Lord is doing different things. It might be going towards one destiny, but there's unique seasons of different assignments. So for example, like in my life right now, um, I have a lot of different roles, right? And you might be sitting there, and you might have a lot of different roles, Uh, One of my roles, obviously, father. One of my roles is math teacher, right? One of my roles is pastor. And within those, I know I have different assignments. So, for example, like when it comes to my kids right now in this season of life, and again, this is different for each person. So if you're a Lala or a Honey or Grandma, right, it's a different one, right? But it's different. But for right now, right, my season of life with with my kids, and, and, you know, Julie and I together on this is, it's really our assignment right now, Um, for our kids to make sure that they feel and that they know that we love them and we're always supporting them. It's very important that they know that right now. Super young, uh, easily influenceable by so many things, and we want to make sure that they know at the end of the day, mommy and daddy loves them no matter what. And and that's going to always be true through life. But I really want to make sure we do a good job, especially these first 10 years. Big, big time 10 years. You don't have them within the 10 years, it's really tough to get them back after that. So... Want to make sure we do that. The other thing, the other assignment with our kids is we want to make sure that um, they are familiar with and it's easy for them to understand the voice of God in their lives. I don't want it to be some kind of like foreign weird thing for them. It doesn't have to be. So in our home, like, that's part of our assignment. So we'll pray with them all the time. We'll always ask them about what they're dreaming. We'll ask them about people they come in contact with throughout the day. Um, we'll ask them all kinds of different things. Just to get the idea going, I mean, just during breakfast time, Julie's got these Bible stories playing, you know, just all this stuff. They're constantly flooded and around it. Um, and it's not so much we're trying to indoctrinate our kids. It's we want them to know the heart of God. Like, that, that's the idea. Because Julie and I... I mean, for any Christian, when you've tasted and seen that God is real and he is who he says he is and he's shown himself in miraculously faithful ways and you've experienced his promised provision, there's no way you want to hold that back from your kids. Now, if you haven't experienced that, then it sounds like religious jargon and cliches and it sounds like brainwashing. There's a fine line there, correct? Yes. Yes. So it's really important that we know and connect with the heart of God. As pastor, right, one of my assignments, right, my assignments as pastor, right, it is to, you know, be prayerful, be there for counsel, to be able to teach and preach well, you know, to be able to um, help lead the way in service and help grow our family together as a church family. So not only can we be healthy together, but we can help be healthy and effective in our community. Right, so you have all these assignments. And so when it comes to you and your life, if I were to ask you, I'm not going to ask you right now and put people on the spot, but I would strongly encourage you this week, if you know the roles in your life, so at work, your job title is blah, 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 okay, and then you have kids, so either you're a mom, an aunt, a dad, an uncle, or whatever, a cousin, whatever. You have whatever these roles are you are in life. I would strongly encourage you this week to write them down, Then I would strongly, strongly encourage you to prayerfully say, okay, Father, what is my assignment here? Boom. And you should be able to. God doesn't make this like a a, a riddle. You should be able to, maybe not in one day or maybe even a week, but you should be able to like very clearly and specifically write down and lay down things that you know God has laid down as an assignment. They'll be very specific. And it would be ways that you can really contribute and do things. So it would be too generic if you're like, okay, my role here is to love them. Well, okay. Yes. Yes. But God has uniquely given you some things in a way to connect with them. Exactly what does that look like with you individually? It's good to pray about these things. We become much more confident about who we are in life, and exactly what we're doing if we understand our assignment. We are much less likely to involve ourselves in things that really don't might not matter too much. We can major in the majors instead of majoring in the minors. It's a lot easier. And we're a lot less likely to get caught up in maybe peripheral stuff. If we un- clearly understand our assignment. peripheral yeah so it's just things that don't matter you know it's just things that just come in they might seem like they're good but they're just really not that great at least not for this season that's okay so like example so like for the other the other day i wanted to go fishing really bad like i just i've been fishing in a while i don't get enough good fishing time in and yeah amen amen And it's just an important, th- I just like, I don't know, just the way I'm made is just it's helpful for me in my life and I don't get a lot of it. And part of that is, is my fault. I haven't done a good enough job as far as clearing that space out. So that's something that God's working on my life on that. I, I have to do a better job of that. So that's hard. But the other part is there are also times where like I want to do it and it's not a good time. So it's not a bad thing for me to do it. It's probably help- helpful and healthy for me. But there was one time this week it's like, oh, I'm going to get some fishing in it. But I knew my assignment in that moment was something totally different. And I was like, well, I got to handle this right now. Got to do it. So even though it was like a good thing, a good thing at the wrong time usually ends up to be not a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Timing is like super important. And if there's, we have better clarity on our assignment as far as what it is, it really helps a lot of things. Because I will be you will be. We're going to be, we're going to come before God, and we're going to have to, like, give an account. Not of our sin. Because Jesus takes care of that for the Christian. But we'll have to give an account for how we were made, and the things around our lives, the things we were managers of, stewards of. We're going to give an account. So I want to, like, <laughs> I think you do as well, and you're standing before the King of Kings, and Jesus Christ himself, and I say, Phew, I wore myself Out and that assignment you gave me, I was not budging. Right? Don't you want your assignment to be full of commitment and just intensity? Might not always get it perfect, okay? But you want to just, man, go after it. Some people's assignments, number one, it's just like, they've never even heard that before. And that's okay, you heard it today, so let's get it. The other thing is, their assignment might be just filled with procrastination and complacency killers. Killers. Because much of the way the kingdom works is with our assignments, after we take care of just what's in front of us. And a lot of times, I'll tell you this, most of our assignments are not going to be some glorious thing that everybody knows about. It's going to be stuff that probably nobody will know about or maybe just only a select few. And as long as we're okay with not having to be seen and everybody know what we're doing, it's going to be good for us. We have that need, right? We have to like bring that before God and say, man, I got a real issue here, Lord. You are asking me to do some stuff in my life and it's really hard. And people should know how hard it is. <laughs> and God's understanding is like, I know, I know. That's a struggle right now. But I will walk with you in this one. And he'll bring like a trusted friend or whoever around. You know what I mean? So the idea of assignment is very important when we're talking about stewardship. Take some time, think about it, go over it. Because we will, we will be accountable. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be like stuck in one. I want promotions. Anybody want promotions? How many people want to be in a company and work for a person where you have no chance to rise up, have any promotion, or do anything? might my us there at a job like that first season of life, and it kind of thinks it's frustrating when it's like that, but all of us at our core, we always want to, be, want to promote, want to do better, want to go further, want to keep going. But anytime there's more, there's more. Like there's a lot. It's just, yeah, a lot of more work. So we've got to be ready for that. So this idea of assignment. Um, we all have an assignment. That was one thought I wanted to bring up. Here's the next one. We're going to close after this thought. So first thing is, we all have an assignment. Um, Number two is, there's wisdom needed for our assignment. There's wisdom needed for our assignment. Because if I'm left to my own thought and devices and ways of going about life, uh, it's going to come up short. It'll be really self-centered. And I'll just find myself kind of like getting in ruts. You know, it's just, there's like no real breakthrough and no real life to it. So, wisdom is needed for the assignment. That's where Luke 16 helps us out a little bit. Number one is a wise steward recognizes, which we already talked about, a wise steward recognizes the accountability. That was him trying to make moves. Uh oh, I'm caught. Loss caught me. And I'm going to be held accountable. So he's looking to make moves. And that's a sign of a good manager, steward, that's on the right track, recognizing that there's even some sort of accountability that's even in place. Because there's a huge chunk of the population that is just, I just do whatever, you know, and it just works out, it's just whatever. There's just much of that going around. And in the kingdom, like, God couldn't make it more clear that that's not at all the case. all going to be held accountable. Number one, we'll be held accountable for our sin if we've never actually accepted Jesus Christ into our life to live for him. Yeah, we're accountable for that. If that's dealt with, then we're going to be held accountable for what God has given us and what we do with it. Because he's choosing, God is choosing to show his love, to radically change people's lives, to have the kingdom of heaven come here on earth He's choosing to do that through us, the believers, the church, the Christians. So like we're all little managers looking to bring the fragrance, the smell, the taste, the sounds, the feeling of heaven because we've been with God. We've been with the Father, allegedly for Christians. And we're just bringing it all over the world. We're not just getting together on a Sunday and yay, rah, rah, Jesus. You know, like, Gets us going, that's good. The bulk of the life is the other six days. This is just to stir each other on um, in good works, sing joyful songs, come together in prayer, encourage one another, and then we go out. And we bring heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would he tell us to pray that if that was just nonsense? Right, he wouldn't. All right. So, wise steward recognizes the accountability. We talked about that. A wise steward takes, uh, recognizes, and takes advantage of opportunities. A wise steward recognizes and takes advantage of opportunity. Here's the part of the parable that uh, everybody's just kind of thrown off with, because Jesus uses a dishonest way of creating a situation to commend somebody. And the idea is Jesus isn't commending, hey, listen, just go rob people and manipulate them to get what you want. Please don't hear that today. And don't tweet that later or Facebook, Pastor Jared, you manipulate people to get what you want. Don't do that. People already have a hard time with me. That just makes it worse. But what we are saying, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, I am commending the shrewdness, the creative thinking, the ability of that person to realize they were in trouble and now they're trying to make moves to do whatever they can to try and make it better. Jesus is commending the steward recognizing the situation and seeing the opportunity available to change it. And then Jesus says, listen, people in the world do this all the time. And he says, the sons of light. Who's that? That's us, the Christians. The sons of light, the Christians. They're not even about that, about heavenly matters. Like everybody of the world is about that, to cover the CYB, right? To cover their own butts, right? To make their money, to do whatever they got to do. What do I got to do? I got to make moves. Man, I'm in it. Boom. Boom. Then, when it comes to supposedly, allegedly, eternal affairs, kingdom affairs, it's like, well, I don't know. i got time to think about that. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not done thinking yet. You know, I don't know, you know. There's like this lag time that's, it's weird. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, like, recognize opportunities when they're there. Like the shrewd manager recognized his opportunity." The truth of the matter is, most of us are really bad at recognizing spirit led, divine ordained opportunities. Because much of the time they don't come wrapped in a pretty little bow, a nice little package where we just benefit and it comes at no cost. Divine inspired opportunities don't always come easy, most times they're uncomfortable. Many times they cause us to get out of our personality traits and the way that we are built and wired. Because God is continually, continuously trying to bring us to places that reveals and just brings us into place what we're really designed for. We had a great designer, the source. We have a great designer who knows what we're designed for. And his goal is to allow life to play out and have the Holy Spirit work in our lives so that we are living according to our design. I don't know what God had in mind when he designed me. I'm getting to know it better. I don't know the full extent of it, though. And none of us sitting here do. So that's why we need to recognize opportunities. Opportunities might come in the form of just attending just Sunday morning churches, for whatever reason, just going to attend. Right, it might be praying out loud for somebody. It might be sending somebody a text. It might be going to ask somebody for forgiveness. You know that we wronged. It might be not avoiding somebody that, like, we come around that we'd really rather avoid, but we won't. Because God needs to do something there. Right? These, those are called opportunities. Those aren't called bad days and crappy situations. I mean, listen, like, how many people know, I don't, yeah. how many bad days are there really? If God is who he is, and he's able to do anything at all times, how many bad days are there really? I mean, there's some serious unfortunate things that can happen in the course of a day. Somebody can get a medical report, and that just changes a lot right then and there, and that's, that's serious business. Doesn't mean it's impossible, It doesn't mean that it's totally Hopeless. But it's certainly going to be challenging. So it's like, for most of us, we're not getting super negative, earth-shattering responses every day. It's just, we had to wait longer for something. Somebody at the DMV wasn't nice to us. Something on our car went, you know. like do that this week. Just stuff, that stuff happens. Oh, I'm having a bad day already. Coffee spilled twice. So now we're done? Like, I don't understand that. And there's so much more. Right, so much more. Like, man, let's not get just sidetracked by these little things and just miss the opportunities that God is bringing into our lives. Because if we only see opportunities for ways that bring us personal advancement and increased comfort, we're missing it. We're missing good stuff. And so you still might be a Christian, experience some of God, but there's that key word of fullness. Right, fullness. I want to live in the fullness of who He is and what He brings. All right, so let's close it up. So number one, let's live our assignment to the best that we can for the way that we were designed to do it. Because number one, like, I need it personally. Here's the other truth. We're talking about the source. God is also doing a work in us. Like we talked about in the overview. God is doing a work in us. He can do work through us. He's doing a work in us to recognize who he is as a source. But also, so we will be a source of types to those around us. So it's not just some, just selfish, just soak up everything God has and you just enjoy it forever. It's also, man soak it up, we better understand who he is, better understand his heart, his mind, the way he thinks and feels towards people. And now it's like, oh, I never knew this, you know, and it's just, man, it just builds this up and makes it solid. And then next level, say next level. Next level is we become it. We become it. It's like, the, now that's what everybody gets around me because this is ridiculous. I always thought it was just, you know, memory verses and doing the right thing. Ah, oh, man. It's transformation, and now I'm being transformed. Totally different. Um, It's a waste of valuable time to grumble and complain about gifts and resources you don't have. Ouch. That's a personal ouch. It might not be for you, but I'm good at that. I especially found that. That's one that God has made super clear to me. Um, in my own personal heart and life. So as we planted this church, other friends that are church planters and see what they're doing, and it's like, wow, you know? Well, yeah, God, if you gave me blah, 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 like we could blah, 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 (laughs) blah. Maybe I'm the only one that has that conversation with God, but it's obviously an issue he's working on in my own life. Um, It's also a waste of time to resentful and gossip. I made this word up, gossipful. It's a waste of time to be resentful and gossipful about others who appear to be using their gifts and talents with some kind of sinful pride. So one, just like coveting what other people have, to be like, ah, oh, I wish I had that and I should. And then there's another way to be like, pfft, they shouldn't be doing that. No way. They're not allowed to do it. They should not. Jesus said not to. The verse, blah, 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 says they shouldn't, you know, and and some people just make it a whole thing where they just, and now they have the internet so you can find everything wrong with somebody and some people just make it their mission to find everything wrong with every other thing that's out there. I don't know how productive that is. You know, it's just, very much true, right? Very much true. And honestly, if we were concerned with our main assignment of what it is, it doesn't give us a whole lot of time for that stuff. Right? It really doesn't. It doesn't give us much time for that. No higher calling than you. So Tabitha, LeVon, Michael, Jerry. There's no higher calling than me being who I was designed to be. I need it. The world needs it around me. I'll never know who I was designed to be unless I'm in communication with my father. Otherwise, the rest of the world will tell me who I am, and that's a problem. Closing verse in 1 Corinthians says this. Brothers, sisters, right? Each of us are responsible to God and we should remain in the situation that God has called us to be in. So in life, wherever we're at right now, it is what it is. Right? It is what it is. We all got stuff. Things are happening. Lots of things we could change. Did it to ourselves. Didn't do it to ourselves. Whatever. It is what it is. Our jobs. Whatever. Might be unhappy with a lot of things. The way a lot of things are going. It is what it is. But it is not as it seems. It is what it is. But it's not always as it seems. Alrighty. So I wanted to sing, but we went a little bit long. Um... So we're just going to close in prayer. It's sounds good because the women are going to go hiking. Yeah? So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for your designed purpose for our lives. Father, it could be uh, just a lack of understanding. We all have some sort of a misunderstanding as far as it, how we were made, the way we were designed. There's so many things we don't like. We're very aware of the things we don't do well, the areas where we lack. And Father, you're calling us not to, not to live there. That's not, where, that's not where you live. It's not your goal is to, to point out all the areas where we lack. Your goal is uh, to call out destiny and bring transformation into our lives. So Father, I pray that that we would recognize and see life and see opportunities when they really are opportunities. That we wouldn't get caught up in difficult circumstances that seem hopeless, that seem too much, that seem overwhelming. Father, I pray that praying and going to you would be our first option and not our last. Continue to do that work, Lord, in my life and in those of our lives, Lord, to where we just run to other places first and we don't come to you first. And I also pray for an increased level of courage for those that need it to include one, at least one, maybe two, trusted, mature Christian friends in their life just to help them on their assignments, to help come alongside, to pray together, build each other up, Thank you for the women. They're going to go walk, Lord, build in fellowship, uh, grow together, Lord. That's not a small thing. It's not a small thing, Lord. And Father, we pray for the men on Saturday. It's not small to show up, Lord, to come together, to build each other up, Lord, to try and keep each other on assignment, Lord, not get caught up in nonsense and waste time. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your truth, and we thank you for your goodness and your good intentions toward us. I pray that we would believe it in Jesus name amen 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 guys <clears throat> so we got some snacks back there too if you wanted to grab it we want really help-